0: Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated. A little before what we uh, heard today in John's Gospel, the Lord speaking to his disciples says this, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's then when he lifts up his eyes towards heaven and prays, to the father Um, it's right before he goes out and is betrayed and tortured and is crucified and the thing that he does right before he goes into agony is to pray for his disciples for his followers and for us who are now his followers We are on the heart of Jesus right before he goes to the cross. Indeed, of course, on the cross. But we're invited into this beautiful time of prayer within the life of the Trinity itself. The pre-existing Son is praying to the pre-existing Father in this beautiful dance and community of everlasting life. For the Lord, Jesus Christ our Lord, was in glory before the world began, before the creation of the world. He says, glorify me with the same glory as I had before the world was created in your presence. A glory that he emptied himself of. We hear that in Philippians, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Paul is talking about the Lord who took off glory, who came and took on human flesh, human form to walk amongst us took off his glory so that he could be one of us, to know intimately all about us, our troubles, our sorrows, our joys, our weaknesses, everything about us. And now he is returning to the Father. He is returning back. He has done the work that the Father has given him to do. But before he goes, he prays, and he prays for his followers. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. The incarnate God who comes with God in himself to bring heaven's realm into earth is here, comes here to be with us. To know us Jesus, as Jesus of Nazareth. And in coming into Earth's realm, he brings Heaven's realm with him. He brings the light of Heaven with him into a place of deep darkness. It's not a messenger. He doesn't come as a messenger sent from God to talk about God. He is God. He is God himself, God incarnate, come in human form. And with him, because he is God, he brings heaven with him. He brings heaven's light. It intersects into earth's realm. Heaven comes to earth. Light comes into darkness, and darkness will not extinguish it. He comes to bring light and life, heaven's very life, to bring eternal life to those who know him, trust his words, and acknowledge that he came from the Father. We hear you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And a little bit later, he prays this prayer over the disciples. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one he has come into the world and he knows the darkness of the world he doesn't want to take us out of the world he knows that things will come against us in this world but he prays that we will be protected from the evil one as we are his light bearers into the world Because just as heaven intersected into earth's realm, into earth's dimension when God himself came into this realm, so we, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, are now heaven's messengers, heaven's place Heaven resides in us because God resides in us and where God is, there heaven is. And so there is heaven's light that is to shine forth from us also into the darkness. He doesn't want us taken out. He wants this world redeemed. He wants this world completely to look like heaven. That's our prayer in the, in the Lord's prayer, isn't it? That thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that God's will, which is done in heaven, is done completely on earth. He prays for us as he goes to his death. He continues... He is seated at God's right hand. Do you know that each and every one of you are held within the Trinity? You are held safe in the life of the Trinity. You are in the prayers, the thoughts, the mind of the Trinity. You are kept safe there from the enemy. He prays for protection because he knows that there's a battle going on. He's won the war. The captain of the angel armies has defeated Satan. And that will fully be shown at the end of the age when he returns with the angel armies and all of heaven and earth are renewed. For the moment... He leaves us in the world to battle the darkness on his behalf, to spread light out as the ripples, as a pebble is, is thrown into the water so that light just goes out from his children, from the ones for whom he is protecting. And this is his prayer as he goes to the cross. Our reading in Acts gets us through the crucifixion, through the resurrection, to this time of 40 days when Jesus, his his resurrected body, is with his disciples, teaching them deeper and deeper things that they could not understand prior to the resurrection, that are now starting to come more into focus as Jesus is with them in his resurrected body. A little bit earlier from our Acts reading it says to them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. He is teaching them more and more deeper and deeper levels of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. They still don't quite get it. They will get it completely after he sends the Holy Spirit to them. And we know they haven't quite got it because they ask their Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? But you see, their question is too small. Their question is completely parochial. They're just thinking about Israel, But Jesus answers the much bigger question, how will the kingdom spread to the ends of the earth? And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Wait, in a few days I will send him to you. So last Thursday, we celebrate in the church's calendar the ascension of Christ, 40 days after the resurrection. Jesus ascended into heaven and he told his followers, wait, and a few days I will send you power from on high. That's Pentecost next Sunday, when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, to empower the disciples and us as his followers and following in after them, to empower us for ministry, to go out into all of the world. And what do they do while they're waiting? He says a few days. How many days is a few days? A couple, three, four? It ends up being ten. They don't know. He's just told them, wait. And what do they do? They wait in prayer. They gather together. They don't know how long it's going to be, but they trust his promises. And their focus is on prayer. They go back probably to the upper room where Jesus broke bread with them before he went to his crucifixion. And they're gathered and they pray continually for the Holy Spirit to come for their life together as a community. For what the Lord has done in their lives, they continue in prayer. And then the Holy Spirit falls upon them. For Jesus has told them, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. From Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's us too. We are to be his witnesses. It has spread out. You know, those of you who have been at the Lassiter's for the Bible study the last few weeks are studying Acts of the Apostles. Gavin's doing a wonderful job as he always does in that Bible study. So some of this is going to be familiar to you. Uh, but it's, it's the Acts of the Apostles but it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And the witness goes out. The first seven chapters of Acts are on the witness in Jerusalem. How so many come to know the Lord in Jerusalem. Then it goes out from there, Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 through 11. And then from midway through 11 to the end of the Acts, it's to the ends of the earth. It comes out into the very center of darkness, to the center of the pagan world, to Rome itself. Imagine that. Jesus Christ and 12 disciples, and it goes out, and it goes out. And though darkness is ranged against it, darkness will never overcome the light. Never. But we continue in a battle. And 30 years after it has first arrived in Rome, Peter writes this epistle from Rome. Rome. Just a few years later after his second epistle, he himself is put to death under one of the persecutions under Nero. He knows the battle is going on. He says, like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. We're still engaged in that battle don't think it's going to be a bed of roses, it's not, going to, it's not going to be an easy walk in the park, this walk of Christianity it was never that promise it's a battle but we're equipped and we're kept safe in the, in the life of the Trinity Because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion waiting to devour people. But we are kept safe through prayer. It is absolutely the central focus of our life together as Christians. Prayer. Without it, we might as well be an NGO out there. Prayer is what connects us. Prayer is how the Holy Spirit works through us as a Christian body. Prayer and the Holy Spirit vivifies our life together, gives us the light to go out into the darkness. The captain of the angel armies is there fighting on our behalf in the spiritual realm because Paul says, It is not against flesh and blood that we contest. It's against the spiritual forces of darkness, against the realms of darkness. But they cannot overcome those who are settled in prayer with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that persecution is still going on today. There are still those who are suffering for their faith in Christ. We don't know that here. We don't know what that looks like, but we're to be in prayer for those for whom this is an everyday occurrence. We pray for the persecuted church. Many of you might know, might have seen this on Facebook or other social media, but there is a woman right now who's a young doctor who has been sentenced to death in the Sudan because she came to Christ. Because she now follows Christ. She was eight months pregnant when she was put chained, not just put in jail, chained in jail. She just recently delivered a baby girl with her feet still chained. And she is still under the threat of death because she will not blaspheme Christ. She will not give up her faith. We have no idea what it's like to truly follow Christ to death, like many in the world are still doing. It's to them that Peter writes, resist him the devil steadfast in your faith for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering and after you have suffered for a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, support strengthen and establish you. The kingdom of light continues to advance despite the attempts of the darkness to overwhelm although there are times when we can feel overwhelmed when we can feel a darkness in ourselves but it's then we're to resist the enemy it's then we're to stand firm in our faith in prayer knowing that the ascended Lord is still praying for us the heart of the Trinity is holding us because he cares for us he cares deeply Do you know how much you're cared for by the Trinity? Do you know how much you are loved by the Trinity? That you are held in the very life of God. He cherishes you. Wherever you've been, it doesn't matter. Nothing can stand against His love. And we receive that through prayer. We receive strength through prayer. We can do all things through prayer I've currently, I currently have a friend who's on um, a teaching mission trip To she's a priest in the diocese uh, she was raised by missionaries in J- Japan so Japanese is, uh, is her second language actually it was her first language for a while and so she's there and I saw that she was going on, on Facebook and, and we're good friends and I thought well you know I'll pray for her when I can remember <laughs> on this trip and then while I was away on holiday it was a little bit of a retreat time really I was just convicted I need to really be in prayer for her so I emailed her and said give me your exact itinerary because I need to know the places and the times where you are going to be and it seems like the Lord just keeps bringing her to mind at different times of the day A couple of evenings ago, Friday evening, I had an allergic reaction to something I ate. And so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm woken up rather abruptly. Um, But as I'm woken up um, and exiting to the bathroom, um, she's on my mind. She's. She's. I'm praying for her, and I. And I. uh, She can't send emails out, so the only way is we can message on Facebook. And um, and I said, I just need to you to know. 13 hours later, you know, that two o'clock in the morning, and what was happening at that time, is that she was in prayer for inner healing, for people who had been wounded. And she said, what happened at that time is that somebody came who I'd prayed for last year. And of course, we don't always see how the Lord works in people's lives when we've been in prayer. But she got to see this. She said, this this woman who had been so burdened, so dark in her face, so bowed down, she came in and she was just radiant with joy. And she came to tell me that those prayers had released her. And as she was praying at three o'clock in the afternoon in Japan... Um, or whenever it was and, and I was praying for her she was praying for inner healing and she said people at the end said I felt something release me inside I felt the Holy Spirit come into me and release me from all of this pain and suffering Isn't it amazing how God knows exactly what somebody on the other side of the world needs as far as prayer is concerned? You know, we have, uh, we were also with um, Bishop Greg and and, um, on Friday evening and Laura Lee and Cameron and Hannah, who I'll introduce you to later, but um, we were at supper and he was telling the story. All of these strands came together. I'd already written the sermon, but all of these strands, you know how it happens, come together. And he said, you know, I just was, uh, I've been talking to this priest who, went into a church and there were um, about a hundred uh, people there and he said I knew that I needed to pray I needed to pray uh, for the light to go out for the church to grow and he said for a while this priest was the only one at prayer and then he gathered together a small prayer team and they gathered together to pray eventually there were about 20 people who gathered on a regular basis to pray and just a year or two later there were 300 people in the church through prayer see we have a little prayer group on Wednesdays at noon and sometimes there's two of us sometimes there's three sometimes there's eight of us I have to tell you that I knew that we needed to do that but I've only just realized this week that that's the epicenter of the life here That is the epicenter of our life together because we pray for the world. We pray for the Anglican Communion. We pray for the churches around the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted around the world. We pray for this community, for Eatonville, for Maitland, for all of the communities around here. We pray for the churches. We pray for the leadership. We pray for the ministries. We pray for everybody on our prayer list. We pray for everybody in leadership. We pray for the Lord's protection and for his increase. And I am now absolutely convinced that without that, nothing happens here. Because it's that prayer covering that goes out and that the Lord uses those prayers to bring the increase. It is the place where all ministry starts to happen. It's in the place of prayer. We're to be a people of deep prayer. We're to follow what the Lord did before he went to his death. He prayed for us. He continues to pray for us. It's what the early church did. They continued to do. They prayed before they received the Holy Spirit and they continued in prayer. They continued in prayer, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread. They continued in prayer. Because it's through prayer that the Holy Spirit can work. That the light will go out into the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. We're to remember in the darkness what we learnt in the light. Because there will be tribulation. It's not an easy path. But He has overcome the enemy and we are called into that ministry to be warriors for him to be warrior princes and princesses in his kingdom work fully clothed in God's armour protected by him he says don't worry cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you He cares for you, deeply, unendingly, held in the life of the Trinity. God's kingdom advances through prayer, prayers for protection, prayers for unity, Prayers for the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. Prayers especially in the darkness, holding on to faith. May we be a community that knows that that is our primary work. All other ministry just falls in under prayer. May we be a community at prayer because God cares for us.